If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 5. So when you get there to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read together verses 1 through to 5. Amen. One Corinthians chapter two, and we're going to read all together if we can, one through to five. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's read it together. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Father, tonight we just again ask for your help and for your anointing, Lord, that you would speak, Lord, and you would touch our hearts tonight with your word, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, even if there's ones that do not know you as Lord and Savior in this room tonight, that you would convict them of sin. Lord, that you would speak into their lives. I pray, Lord, you would touch each and every one of us afresh tonight with the power of the Holy Ghost, that you would fill every life, every vessel with your power. Lord, anoint us, Lord, to proclaim your gospel in these days, to be those beacons, to be those lights in a very dark world. We ask tonight that your name would be lifted up Across this land, wherever, Lord, your gospel is preached, O oh God, would you anoint it, Lord? Would you speak and would you save for your honor and for your glory? It's all for you, O oh God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just again, I felt just of the Lord, just to bring uh, this word, I believe the Lord uh, stirred uh, my own heart just coming into the new year. And reading these few verses, the Lord had uh, quickened uh, just that verse 4 in our reading tonight. Paul is saying to the church of Corinth that my speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And, you know, we live in a day, I, I, I know that it is, it would be said of all of us who know the Lord and love the Lord that there. There, this is, there is just a cry to see a real move of God because we see just the, the depths of sin that men and mankind has fallen into. We see the, the chains, the, the, the depravity of man just deeper and deeper and deeper in the darkness and the sin uh, and sins that were not around when I was growing up and that wasn't that long ago, but it's in a generation how this the whole development into the depths of sin that man is waxing worse and worse and, and falling into deeper sin and greater addictions and bondages and demonic strongholds. And we see that just all around us. We see the reality of that. And our cry is for a real move of the Spirit of God that men would really come to know Christ and truly be set free. And I know that's the heart of 
of everyone here that loves the Lord. We want to see souls saved. We want to see men delivered from the powers of darkness. We want them to be set ablaze by the power of the Holy Spirit. The chains of sin that binds so many men and women, particularly young people. I'm going to be talking just about that generation that's coming up behind us. That, that young generation that are just overcome with the powers of darkness, to see a generation come out of that that really love the Lord, really are on fire for God and really know Him and are filled with Him, filled with the power of God, and that they in turn would reach into their generation to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe our nation is right and ripe for a demonstration, as Paul said here, of the spirit and of power. It is in great need of a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And we thank God that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, this is the dispensation of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is willing. The Spirit of God is desiring to move, to fill our lives, to touch us afresh tonight, to fill and baptize us in the Holy Ghost, that we would be a witness for Him in, in the demonstration and the power of the Spirit of God. And I want to take us to a... a an account in Luke chapter 8, a well-known account here. I just want to mention some things concerning this, and I believe it's relevant to the day in which we're in. It's a well-known story. It's a wonderful story of a man's encounter with Jesus. And Luke chapter 8, if you turn to it, verse 26, uh, it tells us here, Luke 8 and 26, they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee, and when he went forth the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. He wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And I just want to stop there for a moment. And many of you are involved in the outreach uh, down in Belfast. And you have seen these characters. You've seen these people. This is not something that happened years ago. This is the reality of so many lives that you have come into contact with in the streets of Belfast over the recent months. People just like this man that uh, wore no clothes, not clothed in the righteousness of Christ, have no real fixed abode. They just go from street corner to hostel to wherever they can get a, a place to lay their head and car parks and the back of wherever and up alleyways. This is not just away years ago in the city of Gadara. This is the city of Belfast. This is the reality that many have witnessed. And it says there that in verse 28, when he saw Jesus, there was a manifestation of Christ. Christ in the flesh appeared, came to him when he saw Jesus. And that is the answer. That's the hope of our nation. That is the hope of any man or woman to have a revelation of Jesus Christ. He cried out. He fell down before him. And with a loud voice, he said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus now, son of the Most High, I beseech thee, torment me not, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. I want to come to that in a moment. And Jesus asked him, saying, What's your name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered in unto him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. 
Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And that is, is it not our desire for the the people that we come into contact with on the streets of Belfast. The Gadarenes, or the city of Gadara, was one of the ten cities of the Decapolis. It was largely a Gentile area. That's why the pigs were there. And so Jesus came into this town. It was a city that was well-positioned, a fortified city, according to uh, the history books and the Bible dictionaries. And in around those mountains, those lime stone mountains, these tombs had been carved out. They're still there to this very day. And up in that tomb, in that place of the death, you would find this, this poor man, a broken life, an empty life, a life is tormented, a life that seemed so hopeless. And it was in these tombs, the place of the death, that this man lived. This is the reality of where so many are living today. They're living in a place of hopelessness, a place of death. They see no way out. They see no hope. They don't believe there is an answer. They just live in a continual place, a cycle of death. And in that place of death, we have something that has become nearly an epidemic amongst our young people. That is that most, so that they can escape of that reality, the reality is of death, hopelessness, darkness, and just no way out. The only way they can escape that is by taking drugs so that they put themselves in a continual place of a high that they don't have to face the reality of what they live with every day. That is an epidemic. I am not underestimating this in any way. There's a couple of times I've been able to go down, but it is an epidemic. I've listened to some young people in the colleges and so forth sharing with what's happening, and there is an epidemic of drug abuse a drug use all around us and our, amongst our young people. It is not just that the odd one or two are doing it. It literally is in the majority of places that the most are drug using because they're wanting to get out of the reality of life and what it looks like to them so that they don't have to face that reality. And so there's, there is abuse of drugs to take them into a different world. That, that is reality, brothers and sisters. That is what's happening. That is happening amongst the generation that are behind us and also even the generation that are around us. The only way in order to cope with life is to medicate oneself so that you don't have to face the reality, that torment, that darkness, that emptiness, that hopelessness, tormented by the devil himself, demonic powers. Demons were not just around in the time of Scripture. Demons are active agents of the devil today, tormenting lives. And so we see this poor man away up in those tombs and in the place of the death. It seems so hopeless, crying out, crying out for an answer. There's a cry. There is a cry. We've heard that cry. I believe we're... Hearing that cry, there is a cry from the depths and the darkness and the gutters all around us for men. They're looking for an answer. 
They cannot cope with life. And so they bury themselves. In our generation, it was more alcohol. But this generation that's coming behind us, it is, it is drug abuse. It wasn't really about when, so much when we were growing up. But it was just alcohol abuse, which was awful as well. It was the devil's drink. But now it's drug abuse. It's a whole mixture of different things that are readily available. It's easy to, to grasp and, and get us going up to the sweet shop up the street here. You can just, it's available all around you. You know, friends, we see a whole generation being ravished with an epidemic of drug abuse. If only people really knew the consequences if only young people really knew and the peer pressure to enter into abuse because often it is even sold as some type of amusement or some type of fun. But you know, the devil is subtle because the pleasures of sin, they last for a season, don't they? And this whole drug world has opened a generation, and I, I don't say that Again, I'm not trying to exaggerate or be, I believe it to be so true. It has opened a generation of young people to the kingdom and the powers of darkness. And they're being tormented with demonic spirits. And their lives are being destroyed by the powers of darkness. And the suicide is rampant. That's why it is rampant. And the self-harming is rampant because genuinely, and I say this in no other way, but just because your heart is absolutely broken, you say, my God, they don't find, if they don't find Christ, if they don't have an encounter like this man that seen Jesus, not only seen him, but experienced the reality of who he is, he is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And there's a generation that are being tormented with demonic spirits. Because when people don't realize this, but when you begin to take drugs, whatever that drug may be, it takes you out of a reality and puts your mind into a spiritual realm. Medically, they'll not talk about this because they're, they're professionals in their field, but spiritually, we know that there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and God, and there's the kingdom of darkness. So when young people are taken up by the drug craze, and even by the lure that the enemy would say, this is fun, Try a little bit. Or is it because of the, the hopelessness of lives and not knowing where to turn like this man or who to turn to that there is an entrance into drug abuse so to take you out of the reality of the mess that you're in. But what you don't realize regardless of the reason why you do it is that it opens your mind into a spiritual dimension. It opens your mind and your body into a spiritual realm. It's a demonic realm. If you turn to Galatians chapter 5, 
Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Paul writing here says these things. Now the works of the flesh, Galatians 5 and 19, are manifest, which are these. He calls these the works of the flesh. And they are manifest in this way. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 20, the second word in the verse is the word witchcraft. Witchcraft simply means the practice of magic. Paul said it is a work of the flesh. The Greek word for this is the word pharmakia. Pharmakia. It is where we get our English word pharmacy. It simply is medication, i.e. by the extension of magic. This is the Greek uh, explanation, sorcery or witchcraft, the use or the administering of drugs. Now, we know that drugs can be used for good. We understand that. But this is when drugs are used for evil purposes, for pleasure. It is witchcraft according to Scripture. Because what happens is that people, when they begin, it's a work of the flesh, according to Paul, begin to abuse themselves with drug use. They're entering into witchcraft and demonic powers begin to take hold, strongholds begin to take hold of their lives. Everyone in this room, I'm sure, has come across someone and even some in this room who have been saved out of it all have come across people who have been high or out of it, or what we would say, wasted. They're not in their right mind. They're taken out of reality of what this world really is, and they're spaced out. The reason that is, is because they have taken a a form of drug or some type of drug that brings them into a place where they're out of reality. And the reality of what they're in is a demonic reality. It is so serious because if we understand the epidemic that there is of drug abuse all around us, we'll see that all around us that there are people that are being overtaken with demonic spirits and you talk to them and you plead with them and you share with them and you love them and you encourage them and you'll buy them a burger and you'll put a coat in their back and you'll lift them out of the gutter. But the stronghold of wickedness and darkness is so great on their lives that what they need is an encounter with a power that's greater than the power that holds them. And that power is Jesus. A manifestation of Christ. The Spirit, a demonstration of the Spirit and of power is what our generation need. There are young people in this room that have not yet come to know Christ, have not come to know the Savior, but the Lord is desiring to save you, to to, to equip you and to send you into a world that needs to hear the gospel. 
You have not come to realize yet there's a purpose for your life. You haven't come to realize yet that Christ is calling you. You haven't come to realize yet that God wants to save your soul and use you as a vessel to reach into that world. To fill you with the power of the Spirit of God and to go and demonstrate, demonstrate the Spirit and power. This man had been through everything. The Bible tells us for oft times he had already been through all. He oft times, for oft times he was chained, he was put through all the programs. That's, that's basically what I see that as. For oft times he had caught him, he was kept bound in fetters and chains, and he break the bands. The, the ones that I have been privileged to meet, it's basically a cycle of programs. It's so tragic because they want to be free. And they sincerely want to be free. They want to be delivered from what they're in. But it's, I've done the program and then they come out and then they're back in the gutter. And I've done the program. What an awful existence. What an exhausting existence. Do you know when Teen Challenge was started by David Wilkerson, it was simply put down, the success of it was simply put down to this. And this is his own confession. People got born again and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's what happened. That's what I believe you get people into an environment where you can disciple them and love them. But really they were born of the Spirit and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that's why the success rate, if you put it that way, was so high. The reality of the of this, of the part of the new birth and the reality of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's all they had. But friends, I want to tell you, that is enough. This man had been through the proof, but he broke them. He broke their rules. He broke their structures. He broke their system. He broke their programs. He couldn't but help it. Because that's what we are. But when Jesus touches a life, it's the work of the cross. It's the power of the new birth. It's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. It's the gospel of power. Here is a demon-possessed man, tormented. He is held by a supernatural power. I want to say something, friends. When we enter into the outreaches what we are encountering are people that are held by a supernatural power. Do you understand that? I know we do, but we really must grasp this. They are held by a supernatural power. It is the power of Satan. It is the God of this world. It is a demonic stronghold. They have opened their minds up. They have entered into every type of abuse. And they are held captive by a supernatural power. Thank God it's not hopeless. That's the power of the gospel. That's what Jesus came to do. To set the prisoner free. When he saw Jesus. Do you know that's enough? When he saw Jesus, when he seen him, he came running. He fell at his feet. When he seen Jesus, 
You know what this world needs to see? They need to see Jesus. And how will they see him? They will see him in you and in me. That's the only way they're going to see him. Through your life and through my life, through the church of Jesus Christ, they will see this Jesus. I believe that the church, and we know and we believe and we pray, but I believe the church needs to be possessed by the Holy Ghost. There's an awful lot of demon possession, but we need to see a few Christians possessed by the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 4, after the healing of the man at the gate, Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it says these words, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been They had been with Jesus. They understood these men have been with the Savior. And they also behold, there was a demonstration of the Spirit. There was a man behind them that was healed by the power of God. Know what it says? And they could say nothing. I mean, it just ruins every argument, all the intellectuals, all the great, all the mighty, all the university intellectuals. I tell you, friends, you could stand for hours arguing on the streets of Lisbon, Belfast, or Balnehinch with all the great intellectuals of the day, but they can say nothing when there's a man full of God, set free by the power of the Spirit of God, standing there testifying of the good things that the Lord has done. That's what we need. We preach collectively to persuade men. We don't preach to fill half an hour. We don't preach to just get a good sermon across or some great idea. The reason we preach is we are persuading and convincing men that they need to be saved. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, what does he do? We persuade men. We're passionate about people getting saved. We want you to get saved. We're preaching tonight that you'll get saved. We're preaching tonight that you'll repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus and get filled with the Holy Ghost. We're preaching that you'll get saved tonight. We're persuading you because we know the terror of the Lord. Paul stood with a king and the king said, Paul, Almost you're persuading me to become a Christian. He told him his testimony. He told him of his encounter with Christ. He told him what happened to him on that. And the king says, Paul, you can see him just coming to the edge of his throne and just reaching over and saying, Paul, nearly, almost. Didn't stop the apostle. Still persuading men. They say even at the point of his death in that prison, legend says that the soldiers were converted. As he was facing his final moments, he was still persuading men as he was about to go out into eternity. He was persuading men, you need to be saved. We don't preach to fill an hour. We don't preach to tickle an ear. We don't preach just to sound good. We're persuading you because we believe this. We want you to get saved. Bible says this, and I'm going to tell you, friend, it's not in the quantity. 
And sometimes there may not even be, depending on who you're, what your thought is, but you may not even think there's a lot of quality. And it may not be very eloquent in its speech, and it's not in its pitch, whether it's loud or whether it's soft. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. We need a demonstration of the spirit and of power. We need God to breathe upon his people. Now when they go and they stand on street corners or in in the darkest of alleys and in the gutters of this life, that the breath of God blows upon his people. And when they begin to speak and tell of the great things that the Lord has done, that God by his spirit, the kingdom is demonstrated. It's a kingdom of spirit and of power. The power of God visits gutters. The power of God visits tombs. The power of God visits drug addicts and prostitutes and sets them free. When Jesus came to begin that earthly ministry out of that wilderness, the Bible says in Luke 4 and 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. We need to go in the power of the Spirit of God, saints. There must, we need a demonstration of the Spirit. That word demonstration means to exhibit or to show off the Spirit and the power. There needs to be an exhibition of the Spirit of God moving in His power, glorifying Jesus, souls being saved, chains being broken, men and women set free. Why? In the hour in which we're living, and I know we believe passionately in a move and a revival in the last days. But friends, I want to tell you something. I believe that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is available to every believer in this room tonight. He has given us His Spirit. The Spirit has come. Revival is a sovereign act of God that sweeps over a nation. But there here tonight, the Holy Ghost has been given to every one of us in this room that's saved. I want to show you something. I've mentioned it before, but I believe this is what's happening really across our nation at this time amongst particularly our young people. Revelation chapter 9 tells us of over 8, 9 and so forth. There it tells us of seven trumpets being sounded by seven angels in the last day judgments. This happens in the period of a time known as the Great Tribulation, the last period. Some people believe the church is taken out before the tribulation, some in the middle of the tribulation, some after the tribulation. You know, I believe that it's post after the tribulation. So I believe that we'll see these things happening. I believe it happens and it is happening now. The fifth angel sounds in Revelation 9. And it says, I saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit and the, he opened Listen to what happens in those last days, in the days I believe we're living in. There is an opening of the bottomless pit. I believe the bottomless pit has been opened. I really do believe that, friends. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the earth were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. There's a darkness that's come. There is a real darkness that's come across our land. And there came out of the, out of the 
great furnace, smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was uh, given was given power as scorpions of the earth had power. Verse 4 says, And it came, and it, com- and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God on their foreheads. I thank God I'm sealed by the Spirit of God tonight. I mean, I'm so thankful I'm sealed. To have the seal of the Spirit of God is an awesome thing in the age in which we're living. But to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days men shall seek to die and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Have you ever seen a picture of what we're looking at across these inner cities and across this young generation? That's a picture of it right there. Tormented. Tormented. Don't know where to turn. Want to die. Don't want to live. Many times have you heard that? That is a bottomless pit that has been opened. These are scorpions that strike torment people, torment them in their minds, torment them, living in torment. Friends, that's what we are looking at today. But I want to tell you something, that the gospel is still the part of God. I know that so many today are so blinded and the darkness is so great and the torment is so real. But listen, when the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shines in onto them, He sets the prisoner free. There is a demonstration of the Spirit that's needed. It cannot be just in word only or in act, but a spiritual demonstration of the Spirit and the power, the baptism in the Holy Ghost, the power of God to reach into these lives. You know, on the banks of this river, on the outskirts of the city of Gadara, there was a man lying on his face, before a man called Jesus, a demon-possessed, broken life, empty, tormented, had been through every program you can imagine. Jesus never offered him counseling, never offered him 10 steps to get free, never offered him an alpha course. He just came and set the man free. He whom the Son sets free, the Bible says, I still believe this. He's free indeed. It is the power of the Spirit of God. We need a demonstration of the Spirit and a power. That word power is that word dynamis. It means the miraculous power of God Himself working in a life. It is the ability of God, the abundance of God, the might and the power and the strength of God working mightily and wonderfully in a life to set a captive free. That's what we need. What this man needed was a supernatural encounter with Jesus. He needed to see Jesus. Friends, as we go, as we enter into this year, as we desire, and what a wonderful thing it is that so many are desiring to hit the streets and go and reach men. But I tell you what we need more than anything else. It's not necessarily a building. It's not necessarily a hall. It's not necessarily a lot of finance. It's not necessarily a lot of picnic baskets. That's all good. That's not wrong. But more than anything else, what we need is the power of the Holy Ghost. 
the power of God, baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God, bringing forth the testimony of Christ of what he has done in your life, and in turn the Spirit of God moving and taking those simple few words and penetrating the life and breaking the chains and setting the prisoner free. Oh, to see Susie set free, sitting here clothed and in her right wee mind, God restoring her wee family, God healing all the brokenness and all the abuse that she's gone through. Is Jesus able? We need the power of God. The programs that so many do are good programs. They're genuine and sincere and helping. But unless there's the supernatural, miraculous part of God, these poor sinners will stay in a place in a cycle of torment. We recognize our need, don't we? But thank God tonight he's come to meet the need by the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, oh, how many times have we quoted it? Have I preached it? Have we sing, sung about it? And do we know it? But I'm going to quote it again because his word never changes. He said, you shall receive power. I ask you tonight how many people want to receive a fresh, the fresh power of a living God in their lives. Many people recognize we need the power of God. Many people recognize it's not a Pentecostal thing. This is a Christian thing. That we need God's power. Our words, our own wisdom of man. Friends, we need the power of God. Jesus says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's the streets and the gutters of Belfast. The witness to be for Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, we need this power. But thank God, thank God, we have a Father tonight. It says, see you, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, and I'm sure we've all just give our children good gifts. He says, how much more shall your heavenly father give you the Holy Ghost? Because he's a good father. If you're a Christian tonight, you've repented of your sin. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. You've obeyed him. Gone through the waters of baptism. That's obedience. Gone through the waters of baptism. You've been immersed in the waters. You've obeyed him. If you're a Christian tonight. I want to ask you just a simple question. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Is there a desire? See, this is really important to be filled. Is there a thirst for God? Is there a thirst for Jesus? Is there a desire? Has your desire been filled with everything else? Has your thirst and your desire been filled with all the things of the world? Then you wonder why you're empty, you're dry, you're dead, you're barren, whatever that might be. What you need to do if you are filled with everything else, you need to repent of that and turn away from it. And have a desire again for him, that's Jesus. You've repented, you've believed, you're baptized in water, and you're thirsty. 
Do you know what you need to do? If you really know and desire you want to be filled, you need to come to the one who can baptize you. And the baptizer is Jesus. He said you'll receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Come to him. What must you do when you come? The Bible says very clearly we've got to ask. Just ask him, Lord, I come as an empty vessel. I'm yours. I've repented. I believe. I've walked in obedience to your word. I'm thirsty. I want you, Lord. I desire you. Lord, would you fill me with the Holy Ghost? Ask him. Be willing to receive. Just be willing to receive. Then remember a preacher saying a long time ago these words, then yield your little member to him. Let him fill your mouth with the glory and the wonders of God. Give him your tongue. There's a lot of tongues but not the tongues of this book. The church need their mouth filled with the wonders and praises of God. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do we need them? Do we want them? Do we need to be filled? Brothers and sisters, this land is longing for a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Jesus said, you shall be filled you shall be filled. You thirsty for it tonight, friend? Then ask him as we worship the Lord together tonight and we sing his praises and we lift up Jesus. I just encourage you to ask him yourself and he'll fill you. Yield your member to him. Give him your tongue. Allow him to fill your mouth. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. We need the power of God. For this world, we need the power of God to reach these precious souls for Jesus. Thank God it's available to every believer in this room. If you're not saved tonight in this place, listen very carefully. God's got a great purpose for your life, as he does for every life, to reveal his Son in you, that in and through your life, that Jesus would be seen to a lost generation. Our young people... I want to tell you, friend, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the power of God. God will give you the purpose and the plan that he has for you to reach this world, to reach your world, people around you for him. Let's stand together tonight. I just want us to worship the Lord. You're in this place. We want to seek the Lord. We need to be filled with the Lord tonight.